Amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight and open together, please, the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verse number 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And aren't you thankful that, that God gives us a promise? And understand, it has to be the Lord that does it. Um, except the Lord. Notice that word, except there. You can see it um, in the graphic here. Psalm 127.1, except there's no other way. May I tell you that? There is no other way to have a home that, that truly honors and glorifies the Lord, except the Lord build it. And uh, He's the only way. And I'm thankful that God has given us His Word to provide us with the hope and help that we need uh, to, to have all that He intends for us to enjoy. And the promises of God are as true today as they've ever been. And you and I, we can hold fast to them, understanding that even though we are sinful, even though we're, we're failures, and uh, even though our homes are not perfect because they're occupied uh, and comprised of imperfect people, we understand that God's Word is true. And I want to just encourage you tonight uh, in this matter of our home. This is the final message, of course, uh, on the home this month. And we kind of circle the wagons and come back to where we began uh, understanding the necessity just to, to live consistently, to live faithfully in our homes. I want you to stand with me tonight. We're going to read here just two verses again by way of introduction. We'll uh, kind of rehearse, review uh, briefly from this morning, get us all caught up on the same page, and, and then we'll launch out into tonight's message. Notice what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Bible says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Father, we're thankful uh, for the promises that we have. We're thankful that your word is true. Therefore, every promise you make is true. And the Bible says your word is, is true from the beginning. And Lord, there's, there's no error in the Word of God. There's no admixture of error in the Word of God. It's all pure. It's all true. And Father, tonight we ask that you would help us this evening as we have just read again the text. We ask that you would give us great clarity and discernment tonight according to thy will, that we would both discern and apply the Word of God and enjoy the blessings of obedience and thriving, healthy Christian homes. Lord, we ask that you would just extend grace and mercy to us tonight. Give us your help and encouragement this evening. Lord, we ask that you'd help us take away something tonight that would radically transform our homes and that we would enjoy revival firsthand. But Lord, we love you and we pray for your blessing now and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to again draw your attention to what the Bible says in verse number 14 of 2 Timothy chapter number 3. This morning I had you mark the statement. I want, to, I want you to mark it if you have not already done so. The Bible says there at the end of verse number 14, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. The world is out to teach your children things. Uh, good things, bad things, mostly bad things. Uh, and I don't, want, I don't want the world to infiltrate my home. Uh, I, I, my prayer is that God would help me as the husband, as the father, to stand there and, and act as that... Uh, as that layer of protection, that, that buffer, if you would, to stand in the gap and, 
and uh, be the, the strong, godly leader my home needs. But the reality is, too often times we, we neglect the responsibility that God has given us. Or we fail to understand the urgency of the responsibility God has placed upon our shoulders as parents to rear our children uh, for the Lord. The Bible says we're to train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. And I believe that's true. Uh, I believe that's a promise of God. I believe that God is faithful in that. And because God is faithful, my prayer is that God would help me be faithful. But we look at, at our children and understanding the influence that God has given us. And we, we look back even in chapter number 1 of 2 Timothy. The Bible references in verse number 5 the influence of young Timothy's grandmother and mother. The Bible says in verse, verse number 5, Paul says, When I call the remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. And, of course, uh, Timothy wasn't born a Christian. Nobody is born a Christian. However, the influence, the godly influence of, of Timothy's mother and grandmother made Christ appealing and desirous. The Bible describes their faith as that of being unfeigned or, or true faith, without hypocrisy. Being genuine, and I want to live genuinely in my home uh, for, for my children to see, because God has given us influence, and understand the world has influence, but I'm persuaded that, no, that there's no influence greater than the influence of a godly parent. And by God's grace, you and I can seize the opportunities that God has given us, and we can be faithful in this matter of influence, because at the end of Paul's life, he's looking back over uh, upon this young man, Timothy. He's encouraged by what he sees, and he's exhorting him to continue in what he has been taught, what he has learned, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, referencing his, his grandmother, his mother, and the influence that God gave Paul in the life of Timothy. And so, uh, tonight, just uh, I want to continue where we kind of left off tonight, or the, from this morning... And uh, just, just review what we saw this morning is that God want, intends for us to teach our children his word early in life. And that we're to teach them the importance of a personal relationship with Christ. And we're to teach them that God is trustworthy. And on the heels of that instruction, I want us to understand what you and I, what are we supposed to teach? We, uh, notice, I, don't, I hope everyone brought something to write these things down with tonight. And by God's grace, we'll make quick work of them. There's 12. You thought seven was bad a couple weeks ago. We've been holding on to this one, right? Um, I hope everybody has, has a sheet of paper. Write these somewhere. I believe these will be of utmost help to you. And uh, so, and, uh, the first thing that you and I are to do we're to teach our children that the family is God's plan by living a joyous example in the home. Living a joyous example in the home. Uh, the choir sings the song, A Home is God Made. There is no place like home. Sometimes we wonder why nobody wants to be in the home. Perhaps because the home has 
not been as joyful as it ought to be. As we began this month of February, we preached from Psalm 11. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The home is still God's plan. The home, everything in life, is downstream from your home. We think of the other two uh, institutions that God had established, that of government and that of the church. Government is only as strong as the homes are, that it governs, that it represents. And that so too is the church only as strong as its families. Our families must be firmly founded upon God and His Word. And I pray that our homes are, are joyous. You ever wonder what that first home was like? Look back in your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2, and notice the end of chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. We find the institution of the home, the establishment of the home. And before sin entered the home, just imagine how joyful the home was. How peaceful, how tranquil, how agreeable the home was. There was no schism. There was no disruption. There was no disagreement. There was unity. There was happiness. There was peace. And there was joy. And Christians, I'm persuaded that you and I, we need to return back to God's intent. Everything we, we must strive to go back to God's original intent. That of being obedient and, and following the pattern that God has set forth in His Word. The Bible says this in verse 23 of, of Genesis chapter 2. The Bible says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Is your home a joyful place? Uh, is your, what is joy? Joy is more than just happiness. Realize that joy and happiness are different. Sometimes we categorize them as the same in our minds. However, they're different. Happiness is oftentimes dependent upon the circumstance. You, you can be, you can have an uh, awful news come in and, and it, steals your, it steals your happiness. There's a disagreement, you, it steals your happiness. There's trouble that comes and, and you're, not, you're no longer happy. However, you can be joyful. Joy does not stem from circumstance. I, years ago, and you, you all have more than likely heard this, there's an acronym that, uh, that's been given to the word joy. since for Jesus, others, and you. If, if we learn to keep Christ first in our homes, they will be joyful homes. They won't be perfect, because remember, we're still sinful. But there'll be joy in the home. And I want to live, I want our, our home to be joyful. Where it's not about me, it's not, it's not, there's nothing selfish about the home. Sacrificial. 
happiness, joyful, peaceful in the home. But you've got to, we've got to teach our children that the home should be a place of great joy, even when there's fighting and bickering going on amongst the children, right? Your home can still be happy, parents. You can still have a joyful home. We've got to teach them that, hey, listen, life's not perfect. You realize that, that your children will suffer disappointment? That hardship will come in the lives of your children? And instead of letting them sulk and pout and bemoan themselves, say, listen, it's all right. God is in control. Look to Jesus Christ. Don't, don't, allow, don't allow this to, to steal your joy. I remember when I was in eighth grade, I tried out for the middle school eighth grade basketball team. And man, I played my heart out. Hustled, you know, scrapped for rebounds. But I'd missed the cut of the team. I know that surprises all of you. Um, but I remember going home and just being sad. And Mr. Kirkendall, the coach, who I despise to this day. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, told my father later, after the season was over, he said, Man, I wish I would have put him on the team because the other boy, that, that God, he was ineligible the whole season, couldn't play. And the only reason he was on the team was because of his daddy's last name, right? Disappointing. But I remember going home and just, just sad. I wanted to play. So I had my basketball shoes picked out and everything. You know, there, was, there used to be a magazine called East Bay. Is that still in existence, the East Bay magazine? And you open it up, and, and there's all these, all these basketball shoes. All, every type of, of athletic footwear you could imagine was in this magazine. And I remember it was the year that the Nike Air Maxes came out. They were the coolest shoe ever. They had one big airbag, one air pocket across the whole sole of, of, the, of the shoe. And I wanted those so bad. And I thought, I'm, 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 if, I, if I make the team, I'm going to get those shoes. Right? I never did get the shoes. But you know what? I remember my parents came up to her and said, hey, it's all right. It's not the end of the world. Life is full of disappointments. You try your best. Yeah. And it's going to be okay. And you know what? We need to work to keep the attention of our children fixed upon Jesus Christ. And I know some of these might, uh, as I give explanation to some, some of them may seem redundant. But understand, we, it's, our, it's our job as parents to live a joyous example in the home. Notice the second lesson I want you to learn tonight. The second thing we should teach our children is teach our children to honor father and mother by honoring one another. Teach your children to honor father and mother by honoring one another. Parents, you want your children to honor you without question. You know, too often times you think of honoring simply as obedience, and I believe it's connected to it. The Bible says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What is, what's, the, what's the promise connected? That thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God hath given thee. So the promise is life. So you know what that means? The promise of disobedience is what? Death. 
right? Parents, teach your children to honor you. I want my children to honor me. I believe that honor uh, is also, also means respect. Not just obedience, but respectful obedience. If, if your child huffs and puffs when you tell them what, uh, give them a command, give them in, gives them instru- when you give them instruction, that's not obedience, even though they might do the job you told them to do. Tell them, hey, I want you to, to wash the dishes. <sighs> and they go wash the dishes, that's still disobedience. Because obedience and honor is more than an action. It's a reflection of, of the heart. And so how then can I teach my children to honor me and honor my wife? Well, I want to honor my wife. What does that mean? It means I show love and respect to my wife. That I don't say anything coarse about my wife in front of my children or in the presence of anyone else. Understand that, that your spouse is the only person other than Jesus Christ that you can rely on unconditionally. Without your spouse, where would you be? You'd be a mess, just like I would be a mess. We, we need to honor and respect our, our spouses. You realize if you are constantly complaining about your spouse your children will have no reason to honor them either. You, when, we, when we grumble and complain, we are undermining the foundation and the, and, the, and the levels of authority within the home itself. I want you to look what the Bible says in, in, the, in uh, 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter, chapter number 3. Notice what the Scripture says in verse number 7, the Bible says, Ye husbands, I'm sorry, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. But right in the heart of the verse, the Bible says, giving honor. Now, even though the, the Bible is speaking specifically to the husband here, it says likewise, or in like matter, like manner. So, though the wife is not excluded from this command, even though the Lord is speaking directly to the husband, we're to honor each other. Honor your spouse. How many of you want your, your children to honor you and honor your spouse? You've got to demonstrate that in your home. Notice the third lesson that we see here tonight is that we must teach our children to pray by praying with them and allowing them to voice their prayers to God. One of the greatest Christian life lessons you will ever do is teach your children to pray. Do you remember what, G- what Christ's disciples asked him? He said, Lord, teach us to preach. Lord, teach us how to go soul winning. Lord, teach me how to sing. Lord, teach me how to play an instrument. Lord, teach me how to kick a soccer ball. Lord, teach me how to, I don't know, braid my hair. That doesn't work for me. What, is, what did his disciples say? Lord, teach us to pray. 
Teach your children to pray. You know, it's one of the greatest lessons you will ever teach them is how to get a hold of God. I'm convinced that perhaps the greatest Christians who ever live are those who know how to get a hold of the Lord. Have God hear and answer their prayers. Look what the Word of God says in Philippians chapter 4. A very simple verse. Philippians 4 in verse number 6. The Bible says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I want to encourage you tonight to establish a family altar. If you've never done so, it doesn't have to be perfect. There's no situation that's perfect with this. But simply take time as a family to pray. It doesn't have to be some long, drawn-out ordeal. Just pray together. Keep it simple. But let your children hear you pray. And listen to your children pray. And help them pray. Ask them how you can pray for them. But teach, your children, teach us to pray, right? Teach your children to pray. Notice the fourth thing tonight. We were to teach our children God's Word by reading them the Bible and giving them a basic knowledge of God's Word. Read your children the Bible. And give them a basic knowledge of God's Word. You know, God's Word is inexhaustible. And you don't have to read chapters upon chapters with them. Just read them God's Word. Give them an understanding of the Scriptures. We have ordered... Two weeks ago now, we ordered uh, some, some devotionals, great stories of the Bible. You know, there, there's 12 months, there's 12 books. Each book represents a month. You can take, you can read through those multiple times and give your children a basic understanding of God's Word as it moves um, through systematically through God's Word. But teach your children the Word of God, the basic knowledge of God's Word. We just finished our boys' basketball season, and every practice, we, we played upward basketball, and at every practice, there was a time for devotion. And I always started the practice with devotion because you know, I hated to lose track of time and, and miss the devotional time. But we'd ask questions, and, and really only two young men had any knowledge of God's Word able to answer the questions about who Noah was and who, who Job was. And it's sad. We are living in a biblically illiterate foundation, or in a biblically illiterate society, I'm sorry. And our children need that foundation and don't minimize the Word of God. Help your children become familiar with Scripture. Read the Bible to them. Read them a chapter a day. If they're little, start small. 
Read a few verses. Don't make it a church service. All right? Just, just you know, try to get them to sit down for a few minutes. Read them, read them a few verses. As they get older, read them a few more verses. Explain them if need be. But give them an understanding of God's Word. Give them that foundation for life. Notice the next thing you and I are to do with our children. We're to teach our children submission to authority by submitting to the needs of one another. Look what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 5. You know that, that we're selfish people, aren't we? Or am I the only one? Say, Pastor, you're the selfish one. I don't know. You know, you're, you're all the time telling us these things. But you know, we can be very self-centered, can't we? Self-absorbed. Um, not, not caring. Unkind. But think of, think of what it takes for our children to submit to the authorities. The Bible says the powers that be are ordained of God. And if, if we're unwilling to submit to the authorities that God has established, what is the cause of that rebellion? It's because we've never learned to get out of the way. We've never learned that we're not as important as we think we are. Now we understand that all of us are precious in the eyes of the Lord. However, none of us are more important than someone else. And we need to understand that, that we need to submit to one another, to the needs of others. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. Of course, this is speaking to the husband and wife relationship. The Bible says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another. The word submit means to, to give precedent to the other. To give way, to give place to. You know, I, I, have what I, I have what I want to do in mind. But I'm going to step back and get out of the way and allow you to go first. And I'm going to follow you. That's what, that's what submission is. And, that's, and God wants us to follow Him. We're to submit ourselves to the Lord, aren't we? We'll never learn to submit ourselves to the Lord if we don't, submit, if we don't show our children that it's proper and good to submit. Spouses, submit to one another. Meet the needs of your family. It's good, it's healthy, it's right. Notice the next thing you and I are to do. We're to teach our children the importance of the local church by being faithful in your attendance. Look what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. Again, very familiar passage of Scripture, Hebrews chapter number 10, is to minimize the church and the Christian life is to neglect the prized possession of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that, that Christ loved the church and He gave Himself for it. He died for you. He purchased you with His own blood. He established the church for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, to strengthen you and to help you be better. 
And when we neglect our attendance willfully, what we are doing is saying, God, I'm fine on my own. But that's what we're not. You and I, we need the church. And consider, we consider the, the importance of the church. Perhaps you've, you've heard the, the illustration of a three-legged stool. There are three legs that, com, that, that hold up, that balance that stool in the Christian life. You want your Christian life to be balanced? You need to pray. You need to read your Bible. And you need to attend church. If any one of those legs are taken away, your life becomes unstable. You need that stability. You need that, that strength, that, that fellowship, that camaraderie, that accountability, that the, the, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. We need, we need to, to, to be in church. It's good for us to be here. The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse number 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. How does, that ver- how does that verse end? With what punctuation? A colon. You know what that means? There's no, there's no exclamation point. There's no question mark. There's no period. The thought continues. The truth continues. Verse 25, the verse that is oftentimes referenced uh, and emphasized in our need for, uh, for church attendance does not exist of its own self. It's connected to verse 24. And what's it about? It's a, provoking one another unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, we live... In a terrible world, don't we? Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The day is approaching what day? The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord's return. Christ is coming back. The world is only going to get and grow progressively worse. It's never going to get better. And as the world becomes worse and worse, we need the church more and more. That's why the Bible says, and so much the more. As you see the day approaching. You know what's interesting? There are churches out there that are, that are canceling services. Uh, that, are, that are just going, well, we're just going to meet once a week. I mean, we want it to be convenient, right? And I'm all for convenience. But I'd rather be inconvenienced and come to church and grow in my walk with the Lord and become strengthened in my relationship with Christ than to neglect it and fall into sin be discouraged and become overwhelmed by the circumstances of this life and this world. We need the church. You're here tonight. I'm preaching to the choir. Preaching to the choir. But never neglect. Never never underestimate. Never undervalue. Church. Your children are watching. If they think that you can do without it, 
If, you, if, if they see that it's an optional attendance, don't be surprised when they opt out. Notice the next lesson we see here. Teach your children the way to heaven by living the Christian life and instructing them in the way of salvation. This hinges, it really goes back to what we saw this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. It says, But continue thou the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Timothy's mother and and, uh, and his grandmother, they were sincere. They lived the Christian life in the home. Don't just live the Christian life at church. If you do, you know what that's called? It's hypocrisy. And there is, a, there is a segment of our society that despises hypocrisy more than anyone else. And that's the youth of our nation. No... No young person appreciates hypocrisy. And they can spot a hypocrite a mile away. Be consistent. Be be genuine and sincere in your Christian life. And be sure to instruct them in the way of salvation. That from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Notice next... We're to teach our children godliness with contentment by having a Christ-like spirit in our home. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Look what the Word of God says back in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 6. What is contentment? Contentment is being satisfied with what God has given you. Being satisfied where God has placed you. Being satisfied with Uh, with all the good things that God has just set in your life. Don't be discontent. Don't Don't always be looking for a way out. Don't always be looking for the next best thing. Don't always be looking uh, across the road and, and, and wishing you had what your neighbors had because they can't afford it either. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Look what the Word of God says. That's exactly what the Word of God says in verse 6 of chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. What What is the best thing you can do just to be satisfied with what you have? You know what that does? Being satisfied with what God has given you? It shows that that the Lord is enough. The world, the things of this earth are going to remain here. We can't take any of these things with us. It's all going to be left behind for the Antichrist to maintain. We can't take any of these things with us. We place the value on the things that, are, that will remain. We must be content with what God has given us. And may God help us live faithfully for Him. Christians, don't always be looking for that next thing. The next best thing. The newest, the prettiest, the shiniest. Be content with what God has given you. Because your children are watching. You know, we don't need a million dollars in our bank account. We don't need... 
the big house up on a hill, right? We don't need all of these frivolous things. We just need the Lord. May God help us. Notice also here, teach your children to be truthful by being truthful. Again, I don't have to teach my kids to sin. They come by it naturally. They're pretty good at it. Aren't you, boys? I'm just kidding. They are. So are you. So am I. We come by it naturally. We're all sinners. We don't have to teach our children to lie. We have to teach them to tell the truth. And if mom and dad are always lying, bending that truth, exaggerating, what are they going to do? They're going to lie. Look what the Word of God says in Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3 in, in, in verse number 9. The Bible says, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Christian, tell the truth. The Bible says, thou shalt not bear false witness. Don't be a liar. I want my kids to tell the truth. Remember back in the good old days, right, when your word was your bond? Why do we have to have all these contracts now? Why do we have to exclude all, we have all these contingencies laid out? In the case that I default here and, and I, I don't keep my word here, and why is that? Because we're all a bunch of liars, that's why. But the reality is God's people should be truthful. Your word matters. The Bible says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. There shouldn't be any guile in our mouths. We should teach our children the importance of lying, or of not lying, of telling the truth. You see, in our home, Lying carries a double portion in the penalty realm. If you tell the truth, it's not going to be so bad. But if I catch you lying, it's going to be double what it would have been. Because the truth will set you free. Notice another lesson that we see. is we're to teach our children to be personally accountable to God by being motivated by this accountability ourselves. Personal accountability to God. What does that mean? It means I'm going to stand before the Lord and give an account for my life. Every action, every word that is spoken, every decision I make, I stand before the Lord. And understanding that, I want my children to understand that, hey, God is watching. You know what? There may be times when when, old, when mom and dad aren't around, kids are left by themselves, and, and mommy just made a fresh batch of cookies. And they're sitting on the counter to cool. Hey, 
hey, don't, don't eat those cookies. You go in the other room, you come back, hey, where'd all the cookies go? Dad did it! Maybe. But God is always watching, isn't he? And this shouldn't be some, something that we try to, to scare our children with, but the reality is there. And we will stand before the Lord in judgment. This, this, this affects every facet of life, living consciously in the presence of Christ. It'll help us say the right things. It'll help us do the right things. It'll help us maintain, here's a big word, it'll help us maintain our integrity. May God help us. We're all accountable to Christ. What should a young Christian do in this situation? Should a Christian talk like that? Should a Christian behave this way? What do you think, how do you think the Lord would feel about that? Our accountability to Christ. Notice also, here's another one. This is a, this is a difficult one. We're to teach our children to forgive by forgiving one another. Is there any grudge holders in here? I hope not. Forgive. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. In verse number 32, the Bible says, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as Christ, I'm sorry, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You heard a great message on Thursday night concerning bitterness. I don't want to be a bitter Christian. The Lord has called us to be sweet and savory, not sour. And if we are unwilling to forgive, bitterness will, that root of bitterness will grow in our hearts and our lives. It will ruin you. Bitterness will ruin you and render you ineffective for Christ. That's why you've got to forgive. Let it go. Give it to God. May I tell you, it's not worth it holding on to. But you've got to forgive. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. But I know someone who bore such contradiction of sinners against himself and yet willingly forgave me. And may I tell you, I've sinned a whole lot more against God than anybody has ever sinned against me. Than anyone ever can or will sin against me. We must teach our children to forgive by being forgiving ourselves. And notice finally tonight, last but certainly not least, we need to teach our children to have faith in God. By looking to Christ in times of blessing and trouble. You know, oftentimes when hardship comes, uh, look to the Lord. 
Life is difficult. He's going to get us through this problem. Just turn your eyes upon Jesus. But we should live the same way when sailing is smooth. When the seas are calm, we should live with just as much faith in God as if the seas were rough. As we close tonight, I want you to look and see what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1 and 2. The Bible says, seeing where, uh, Wherefore, seeing we, are, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and run, and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, looking unto Jesus. Life is hard. I May mean, I tell you, it's never going to get any easier. And if we don't learn to, to live by faith now, and when times are simple, we'll never live by faith when times are hard. May God help us trust in Him and teach our children to depend upon the Lord. That's why we pray with them. That's why we point them to Christ. Why we encourage them in their walk with the Lord. May God help us tonight. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Christians, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, neighbors, crazy uncles, whatever. Understand the influence that God has given you. And may the Lord help us, as Titus chapter 2 and verse 3 says, may God help us be teachers of good things. Let us rely upon the Lord. May God strengthen our homes. And may we be an example of Christ, of whose faith follow. And our children learn to follow the faith, the example that we've set before them. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed.